Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate these rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask, go to masterleadership.org forward slash podcast. That's masterleadership.org forward slash podcast for more information. Today we are speaking with Dr. Gary Bodenberg. Leadership is created, molded, and oftentimes recognized when staring in the face of adversity. Gary, a special education teacher on Long Island since 2002, used life experiences across personal and professional landscapes that fueled his passion for leadership as well as deepened his relationships. Gary has lectured on the topics of overcoming adversity in Florida schools while using his father's life as a backdrop. He has created numerous scholarships for students while fulfilling his overwhelming passion to help other teachers through mentoring programs with technology. Gary has cultivated his vast classroom experiences through the creation of online graduate and in-service classes that have included behavior modification, response to intervention, common core standards, impact of gangs in education, as well as technology in the classroom. Most recently, Gary has been a leader in his union as vice president. In this position, Gary was co-lead in the most comprehensive collective bargaining agreement in South Huntington School Teachers Association history, where teachers in the first year of the contract were seeing 5 to 10% raises. So welcome, Dr. Gary Bodenberg. How are you? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? It was a tough start, but we're here. Yeah, tough start. We got it. All right. So this interview is taking place during April 2020. We're in, I don't know, I can't say the middle of a pandemic because I don't know exactly if we're in the middle or the end, but we're certainly in it, right? The coronavirus pandemic. So thank you for connecting with me. We're here to just have conversations about what it is to lead during this time or how we're moving forward. So can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Sure. So, you know, in 2011, I went to St. John's University to obtain my doctoral degree, which I did, defended my dissertation in 2016. In the time where I defended my dissertation to now, I've been trying to expand my role in my building. I was a vice president for my teachers association. Also, I have been working very closely with uh, newly hired teachers, which now has been one of the most vital roles in our district, which is like an instructional technology mentor. I'm a special education teacher on a daily basis, and right now trying to improve my interview skills, get my name out there, trying to also reach out to other districts who may be hiring, making those connections to other districts where I'm at right now. So you're saying right now you're looking for a position? 
I am. I've been interviewing actively between a year or two, looking for positions both internally and outside of my district. I've been on a number of interviews, some where I've had pretty decent feedback, others where I've had none. Some districts, including my home district where I interviewed, were providing amazing. Uh, they sat down with me, went through question by question, exactly what my answer was and if it was good, better, and different, and really helped me improve that process, which I was very grateful for. Well, I love that you're sharing that with us. And I'm assuming with all that's going on, a lot of people are kind of thinking about that as well, especially, in, you know, sure. they're in a position where they don't know what's happening. Some people have lost their jobs. And so this right. is a good thing to talk about. Now, how has this affected you, your organization, your family? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I could tell you right off the bat, I need a haircut. So it's affecting my hair. Uh, that, <laughs> well, no, need... <laughs> but you're, you're one of the few that's looking really good and younger. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> In all honesty, I'm a doer. I'm a goer. I'm a seer. I'm a hugger. Um, mm -hmm. So this is very impactful in just that small capacity, not being able to have the freedom to, you know, go to the gym, go to the store without fear, taking my daughter to the playground. Um, these things have just been very difficult to wrap your head around, but also explain to a five-year-old. It's a very difficult thing. And that's in my home. And obviously with my wife as well, like she's not comfortable going out. So it's me kind of going and doing and making sure that, you know, we have what we need. But at our school, you know, we're really finding that, thank God, we have the knowledge and the staff, the teachers that are putting together these instructional programs to have students be able to access this information via Google Classroom, Google Sites, uh, whether it's through Zoom, which we're now using Google Meet. There's so many different things that we have set up prior to this even happening that really have just put us at the forefront of online learning, distance learning, because there's not many districts that are doing what we're doing. I can tell you on a very small scale, what I'm doing is we're reading Macbeth in my classroom. So mm -hmm. I'll FaceTime my teacher assistant, I'll screenshot it, we'll read Macbeth, I'll change my voice to do the different parts, I'll create an iMovie, and then I'll post it on YouTube. And that's how the students are getting Macbeth. So mm -hmm. just on that small scale, we're doing a lot to try to get ourselves in front of this. Mm -hmm. And I think we're doing a great job in that respect. And so you mentioned you were an instructional technology mentor, and we need many of those. So how can yes. we connect with you to get some input? My full email is my full name. It's Gary C. Bodenberg, B as in boy, O-D-E-N, B as in boy, U-R-G, at me.com. Perfect. So Gary, what resources, quotes, or advice are helping you most during this crisis? One of the quotes that really resonates, and this is something that I had seen years ago on an old New York State English Regents, and the quote was, in a dark time, the eye begins to see. Ooh. And we could be here for hours mm -hmm. dissecting that particular quote, because that quote not only examines what's happening in our world, but what's in our current physical space where we're sitting right now, but also in our educational institutions. Like we're seeing the holes and the gaps and the things that we weren't doing correctly. It also sees the waste that we are currently enveloped in. And those diamonds in the rough that people may not have paid much attention to are the ones that are shining very brightly right now mm -hmm. because those are the ones that are running these districts because it's the teachers now that are really stepping up 
and providing that consistency, that education that is so important right now for our students because they're having anxiety. They're seniors, they're kindergartners. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. So we're giving that constant and we're really starting to see whom is important and things that we should be investing in and not necessarily investing in other things. So I thought about this a lot, how this has accelerated something that should have been happening in education, but it's brought us to a place where, all right, now we don't have a choice. This is what's happening. Right. And I think that I have friends in certain districts. I teach in a certain district. Mm -hmm. I'm also a resident in a certain district, and I'm seeing all these different ways that instruction is being delivered. I can say that our district is definitely ahead of the curve, and I'm not saying that because I'm a part of it. I'm saying that because of what I'm witnessing. I'm grateful that I'm in the field that I'm in, that my wife's in the field that she's in, that we're here that we could support my daughter, who is in her first year of public education and is now missing you know, the rest of her kindergarten year. So we're able to support her in ways that maybe somebody that doesn't have the background that we do cannot. So it almost heightens my sensitivity to those parents, to other people who don't have that ability. And it changes our mindset. It really changes our our vision, our focus of what education should be. And I think that it's going to help create a system of change. Mm -hmm. But you need to have the infrastructure and you need to have the leadership. And that's another thing that we're not necessarily seeing because Mm -hmm. it goes back to We're hiring what we think we should be hiring, but we're not hiring the best person. Mm. And we're seeing people, institutions, situations crumble because of those bad decision making. Yeah, and that's really important. Now, let's give kudos to your school district. Uh, That's South Huntington uh, School District, uh, located in Huntington Station. We have some of the best technology people that are in the business right now. We have not only our infrastructure support, our network support, but we also have our instructional coaches. We have our coordinator of instructional technology who is new to the district this year, who, to be quite honest, has been kind of dumped into this incredibly unique situation that I think she's handling very well. And all of our technology mentors, our instructional coaches who are in the buildings, you know, working with teachers, creating these Google Meets mm-hmm. to help teachers, you know, get their sites up, get their Google Classrooms ready. I mean, the amount of resources that our district has provided our 550 plus membership, it's unparalleled. And I would challenge any district on Long Island to compare to what we're doing, because I just mm-hmm. don't think that that's happening anywhere else. We're doing some amazing things and our students are going to be the ones that benefit from it. That brings another question to mind. Are school districts talking to each other? Because, you know, you see what you see, but Mm -hmm. there can be another school district that has a different idea and maybe talk to each other and come up with really great ideas. Is that happening? In my position, like I'll communicate with my district where I live because I do think that being a teacher in another district, I do have some of that insight and I could possibly share it. And, you know, whether it's met on deaf ears, it's on a very lower level. I'm a resident. I'm also a teacher. Maybe I could help out because like I could possibly say this is above my pay grade. I don't know if that communication is happening. I would suspect that there's other conversations happening amongst districts that are close in proximity, but there are a lot of egos. And I don't really know what the quality of the conversation is that's being had. I'm thankful that I'm in a district where we are on the forefront. We are doing the right thing by our students. So I'm comfortable in that. But 
you know, maybe I don't live in this district and maybe right, it would be right. worth it to share it with surrounding districts of maybe where I live, you know, and I think that that's what we're experiencing now. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Want to make your voice stand out to prospective employers, clients, or partners? You don't have to be well-known to be a guest on Master Your Swag podcast. In fact, we provide you with all the tools you'll need to be featured and be ready to get noticed. Go to MasterYourSwag.com and claim your spot on Master Your Swag podcast. You know, many use that term, lifelong learner. Right. What does that mean to you and what are you learning right now? Lifelong learner, what it means to me is you have to always be willing to take risks. You have to be willing to find answers of the questions that are not asked yet. And I also think that it's being able to reflect on what you are currently doing or have done and be able to make strides in changing the things that you do to just make yourself better and better. I mean, if we're not trying each day to be a little bit better, I mean, what are we doing really? Right. Uh, you know, we need to try to improve ourselves and that's through learning. So mm -hmm. being a lifelong learner is in essence, trying to improve yourself and the people around you every single day. And I think that that's key. Right. So you're someone who believes in personal development and I you agree. invest in yourself. I do. And I think part of investing in yourself is really helping others. That's important. That's also innate in certain people. I don't know if it's in everybody, but I do feel that if I have something to gain, it's my obligation to share with others. Mm -hmm. It's not for me to hoard or keep to myself or use for my own personal gain. I do feel that it's necessary to share that information and make the people around you better because it only makes you better. And I think that's essentially what teaching is. That to me is really what being a lifelong learner is. As a society, what we're learning right now with what's going on right now is, you know, a lot of the times we kind of adapt the world around our needs, like what we need, what we want, and it changes the world around us. So now the world around us has changed and now it's our job to kind of try things a little different to make ourselves feel fulfilled. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I think that is really important that I'm learning and I'm hoping that other people are learning is to do more with less. The people that are using facilities and going and doing, what are they doing now? And there's not that ability to do that. And I think that creativity plays a lot into it. Like we have to change the way that we live. We have to change the way that we do things. And it really is becoming a self-reflecting time period. You know, we're getting the opportunity to spend more time with our families, to strengthen those bonds to work on relationships that we took for granted because we were able to see each other every day and now we can't. Mm -hmm. So what do we have to do to see each other, to talk, to, you know, make those communications, you know, and I think that communicating social interaction is nourishment for the brain. Right. If you don't have that nourishment, it's like looking at a tree or a grass in the winter, it dies. Right. And I really think that it's something that we have always taken for granted. And now it's something that we are hankering for. Like we don't have it, so now we need it. Mm. So and I think that this is really making people rethink not only their lives, but their current living situation, their current working situation, and reflecting on it. You know, you hit three really important things that you're learning, that even if others aren't learning right now, they should start to think about that. You mentioned adaptability or being flexible, right? The flexibility. 
You mentioned creativity to nurture that or start to look at our creativity because we are creative creatures. That's what we were made to do. And educators especially. And the last thing you mentioned was social connection. And as you know, I don't like that term social distancing. You know, we certainly need to distance physically, but socially that needs an uptick. We need to make sure that we're doing that even more than before. So I appreciate this insight that you're sharing with us. Similar to what you described, when I heard that term, I was social distancing. I was like, that's the last thing that we need to do. Obviously, there's science behind why we should be distancing physically, but socially, when you start to do that, you know, you're starting to expose other types of emotional issues that are happening that may be like, you know, hidden or kind of like in our subconscious where people that are normally struggling with mental illness, this is something that is going to explode. So I think we really need to change the narrative a little bit with that just to make sure that we're not getting into an era of complete isolation. That's my fear. I don't want to see that because by nature, I'm a very social person. Like I said, I'm a hugger. I'm -hmm. I'm an affectionate person. That to me is like the kiss of death. Let's have this movement where we're changing the narrative. This is why I love these conversations. When you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? One of my major concerns is what we had spoke about a while ago, which was one of my final thoughts when I had left an interview was, you know, really look at the candidate that you are interviewing because a lot of the time what we're experiencing is that they're trying to hire people that quote unquote look right for the position that fit this mold but we're not hiring who would do the job best. And I think we're looking at, you know, well, they have this level of experience. Maybe they were a dean or maybe they were a summer school assistant principal. They're looking at something that really means nothing in the grand scheme of things. And they're hiring based on that. They're not hiring based on, oh, this person has gone to different states and has spoken on topics, has taught students and teachers and administrators throughout the country. This person is an instructional technology guru. This person has a professional sports background. They're not looking at the whole person. They're looking at little bits and pieces. Part of the problem is we don't have the people that are willing to be mentors and that are willing to coach. They want you to come in knowing the job and that's it. So my concern is that we don't have those types of leaders that are willing to cultivate somebody to take a position where they can learn and grow in that organization and really shine. What's happening is we're now seeing so much waste within institutions because they don't know what they're doing. And the buck is being passed down and down and down. And it ends up falling on the backs of the people that are in the grind, that are doing the work, the doers. And those are the people that are not being hired for leadership positions. And that I'm hoping will eventually be exposed during something as catastrophic as this, because I think that's a detriment and Mm -hmm. we're seeing it. And the discussion is now very vivid where it was very hidden. That's coming to the forefront. Unfortunately, I think what ends up happening too is because I'm so enveloped in the system so Mm -hmm. to speak. A lot of what in my doctoral research too, what unfortunately I think also plays a very large role in cultivating leadership. It's the political struggle over 
what is valued and the ideas that are basically the underlying policies of an institution. And when we get wrapped up in that, I think that's what stagnates leadership for sure. So that's my concern. What I'm most hopeful about is that because of something this catastrophic and this upsetting and this exposing, we're going to be able to rethink. We're going to be able to look at things more creatively. We're going to be able to be more flexible in our decision-making when it comes to hiring and look at the candidates for who and what they bring as opposed to what they have done. Don't dismiss a candidate because they haven't done the job. Hire the candidate for what you think they can do. That is something that I think really is what we're missing. Once we shed that perception of you need to have XYZ position Mm -hmm. in order to get this position, you're going to see stronger, better, more efficient educational institutions. And that's certainly what we need. All right. So Gary, as a listener of this podcast, what are some questions that you would like future leadership guests to respond to? I would actually want to know, based on what is happening in our current environment, I would ask them, what are you doing to reinvent, reinvigorate yourself? And also, what are you doing to improve your creativity? Uh, and, I, and I think that that is something that, like we had mentioned before, like you're seeing those diamonds in the rough, those people that maybe have always been doing this, we're seeing them shine now. Right. And that's something that I would love to see those people that are maybe fighting the change, maybe resistant because they're unknowing of how to make that change. Let's look in the mirror. Let's do a little bit of self-reflection. Let's see what are some of the things that we're doing in an effort to be more creative. And, you know, I've always had a passion for like video editing production. I've done it since I was in high school. We won awards for the Long Island Film Festival. Like I've always had like a little bit of passion for it, but never really had the time to really sit down and do it. This whole incident, this whole catastrophe has got me back in front of the computer using Final Cut Pro X, using iMovie, using motion graphic effects to create these lessons for my students to click on and enjoy and hear my voice, see me, see the creative side behind what I can do in front of a computer. So I think that that is something that I would love to challenge people with. What are you doing to be creative? What are you doing to self-reflect? Well, you know, you're looking younger. You're (laughs) even more passionate than before. Appreciate that. This is stirring something in you, and I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? I would say make sure that you understand the idea behind social distancing, but let's change that narrative to physical distancing. Let's maintain and improve our social communications and interactions. That is key. Once we get back to what will be the new normal, we have to be more on point than we ever were because we have to now almost reteach our students, reteach our friends, reteach our colleagues, the world, how to interact appropriately again. And it's going to be a challenge. And I don't know if people realize what's in store on that end. So let's change that narrative. Adaptability is important to you. Creativity is important to you. And social interaction is important to you. And that's so valuable. Thank you so much, Gary, for adding value to me and to our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Have a great day. You too. In closing, here's a quick message. 
Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.